Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame, or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Heather Creekmore. Heather's story is actually many women's story, which is one of body image struggles, which led to an eating disorder. Heather now helps women find freedom from the trap of chasing a better body. And I am so excited to have Heather on the show today because this topic is so important for us to discuss. Welcome, Heather, to the Fully Restored Podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Kristen. It's a pleasure to be with you. Oh, it's a joy to have you. So Heather, tell us a little bit about yourself, the work you do in your family. Yeah, so I'm a mom of four teens and tweens. I'm married to a pastor. He was a Marine fighter pilot uh, and got out and went into ministry full time. So I've had a bit of a career shift there. And about 10 years ago, I felt God's nudge to do some writing and speaking. I had a background in politics. Oh, I hate to even say that. Um, and, and all sorts of marketing, fundraising kinds of things. But I'd always loved writing and always hoped to write a book. And about 10 years ago, I sat down to try to do that. And I wanted to tell a different story. And the story that God kept bringing to mind was a story of how he was healing me with my body image. And my husband was like, that's what you need to write about. And I was like, no, that stuff's way too embarrassing. I'll never write about that. And now, oh boy, God, I got the last laugh on that one. Now I spend my time podcasting, writing books, and speaking to women all about body image issues. Oh, I love that. And first off, let me just say thank you to your husband for his service. My son is currently a Marine pilot, not a fighter pilot. He flies Ospreys. So I have a heart for all Marine families, military families. So thank you for his service and your service being married to him during his time of serving, right? Well, yes, I got in on the end. So I missed all the good stuff. Oh, <laughs> good stuff. I mean, hard stuff. So yeah. God, God was gracious to me in that, but you're, yeah. you're so right. It is the, the military spouses that, um, that carry a big load too. They do. So you were in politics, in marketing, and here the very thing that God healed you from, but sounds like that maybe there was some shame connected to that has become the, the very platform that God has used in your life. So Heather, I would like us just to start with your story. We're kind of talking about the end. Let's go back to the beginning. Tell us about your life, about those struggles you had for decades with your body image. Yeah, well, you know, the beginning, we're going way back. <laughs> we're going back to about third grade, which is really my first memory, Kristen, of looking in the mirror, and deciding that my legs were too big. 
and then doing what most little girls do. And I'm going to dare say a lot of us women do. We have a thought and then we go out and we test our thought, (laughs) if you will. And so I went to school that day and compared the size of my legs to the size of the legs of the other little girls in my class. I determined that mine were bigger and that I needed to do something about it. My mom was a professional dieter, and so I learned her ways. And by middle school, I was doing diets with her. By high school, I was trying a new, and I'm going to put the word diet in air quotes, a new diet called See How Long You Can Go Without Eating. And I could normally make it most of the day. I was a busy high school student. But then around four or five o'clock, I'd get home and I, of course, would be ravenously hungry because that's how God designed our bodies. And I would eat and eat and eat and feel all of this shame and failure as if I had done something wrong in feeding my body. Then I went away to college and um, my disordered eating continued. I would go away to school and I would eat for comfort and for fun. And, you know, every occasion in college seemed to be centered around food. And so I would eat and eat and eat and I started gaining weight. So then I would go home on breaks and I would try not to eat for the break to try to balance it out. By my sophomore year of college, I lost my period. I thought it was stress. The kind of informal counsel I got from physicians was it's probably stress. Don't worry about it. Uh, Now I recognize that I had an eating disorder back then. So this was the early 90s, Kristen. There were really only two categories for eating disorders back then. There was anorexia and bulimia. And I wasn't underweight. I didn't look anorexic and I didn't throw up. I tried to purge, but I couldn't. So I didn't fit either category. And I thought I was just normal girl (laughs) with normal girl problems. And and I emphasize that for a reason. I mean, I really thought that all of these thoughts and obsessions in my head over calories and changing my body and losing weight. And, you know, what was I going to do to to lose more weight, to change the way I look, to get in a different size? I really thought all of that was just normal. I thought every person I knew struggled in the same way. And to some degree, that may have been true. To some degree, I think all women are cognizant of it. And most women are talking about it. And so I see how it could have felt like all women were struggling in the same way. But I do think my struggle at some point crossed a line into a full-blown eating disorder. By the time I got out of college, I kind of backed off my use of manipulating food because quite frankly, I was hungry, right? You can only starve yourself for so long. And I started to dabble in exercise, And I recognized that the more I exercised, the more freedom I had with food. And so somewhere along the lines in my early mid-20s, I noticed these people at the gym that had fitness instructor written on their shirt and they had the little microphones. And I was like, you know what, if I could just be like one of those people, then I wouldn't struggle with my body image issues anymore. Because I was certain, Kristen, (laughs) that fitness instructors didn't have body image issues. I mean, come on. And so I put all of my energy and effort into that. Now, meanwhile, I had I had a job, <laughs> I had a master's degree. I had a full-time job, but my side obsession, I won't even say hobby, it was really an obsession, was fitness. And so I did the work and I took the tests and I, you know, spent a lot of time in the gym to reach that goal. And Kristen, I clearly remember standing in front of the first kickboxing class I taught and feeling this overwhelming frustration 
because I still didn't feel like my body was good enough. So I had, I had the label on my shirt that said fitness instructor, and it still wasn't enough for me to feel okay about my body. Now, this lasted through my 20s, and, and I determined somewhere along the line in that time period that maybe my real problem was I was still single. Maybe if I just had a man to put his stamp of approval on me, then I would know that my body was good enough. So I dated a lot of the wrong guys until I met the right one. I met my husband at 30 on eHarmony, nonetheless. And this was when eHarmony was a very, very new program and people weren't meeting online. But he said it said Marine Fighter Pilot in his profile. So I had to, <laughs> had to click connect on that. Um, I met my husband. And again, Kristen, I, I vividly remember on our wedding night, we, we got married in D.C. and we were staying at a very small, it was in a small hotel, but we were staying in an old hotel and the rooms in old hotels are normally very small. And I remember sitting up in this bed in this, this older hotel room and I could see them full-length mirror as soon as I sat up in bed. And I remember looking at myself and thinking, what is wrong? It still didn't, this didn't fix it. I'm now married. Like, I know this man loves me, but it wasn't enough. Like, when is this going to be over? And then <laughs> we had lots of fights through my marriage. That could be a whole episode, honestly, Kristen, on the ways I tried to make my husband fix my body image issues. And spoiler alert, he was not able to do that. Um, but then I thought, you know, the problem is I just I need something more important to do. If I could just become a mom, then I would probably be free from worrying and obsessing over my body all the time. And so we got pregnant pretty early in the marriage. We, you know, like I said, we were already 31 by the time we got married. And so we didn't want to wait. We wanted kids. And so got, got pregnant pretty much right away. And Kristen, those doctor's visits that during my first pregnancy felt a whole lot like the Weight Watchers meetings I had gone to with my mom back in middle school. It felt like a weigh-in every time where you're trying to like, oh, wait, can I take off my heavy earrings and go to the bathroom one more time before I get on that scale, please? And so my body image issues certainly didn't go away <laughs> during pregnancy, although I was really happy to have the freedom to eat and to not be on a diet for the first time in my life for a good cause and <laughs> to give up dieting. But, but I was just stuck. I mean, I, nothing I did. I felt like after I had my first child, all of my cards were played. I had tried everything. I wore the size that I thought was going to make me happy. I got the man. I had this greater mission in motherhood. And yet I was still stuck fighting with this body. And I should add through that, Kristen, I was raised in a Christian home. I went to Christian schools. I went to Christian college. I knew that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I knew that God looked on my heart, not the sides of my body. I knew all those things, but there was something deep within me that just couldn't believe that in a way that, that penetrated my behaviors. I believed that what God was saying was true, but it didn't seem very applicable to my life here in this world. It kind of seemed like I needed both. I needed body improvement and to believe that, you know, all the things God said about me were true and I was okay as I was. And I just couldn't get those two conflated things to come together. 
And so it was when I was in my mid thirties, I had just had our fourth child. We had four kids in just over four years. Um, So you can imagine what was happening to my body image during that time, four pregnancies and I breastfed them all in within a very short amount of time. Um, Not a lot of control over what my body was doing then, but, um, but I just had my fourth child. And I remember I was cleaning the kitchen. My husband was preparing for ministry. And this was before everyone had earbuds in their ears. And so if he wanted to listen to something and do something around the house, he had to just blare it through the house. And so I kind of got used to my husband blaring sermons through our house. And one day he was blaring a sermon from Tim Keller, a pastor then of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. And Keller, as he often does now, I realize, was talking about modern day idolatry. And like I said, I was raised in church, but this was a concept that was completely new to me. I knew I wasn't an idolater because we didn't have any statues of Buddha in my home. In fact, growing up, like we didn't have a garden gnome just in case that was a statue. Okay, so that's how sure I was. I wasn't an idolater, but I was listening to Keller preach as I was cleaning my kitchen. And I remember just kind of hearing, not audibly, but just hearing the Holy Spirit minister to me and say, Heather, this is your body image problem. You've made this an idol and this is why you're stuck. That one day, I'm going to get emotional here, changed my entire life because I just, I had never seen the issue that way before. I thought I knew all the God and Jesus answers. I thought I had that part of my life secure. And the real problem I was facing was this fight with my body that had been going on for decades. But Kristen, what God showed me in that moment, was that my real fight was with believing what was actually going to save me. I had made my body image such an idol that I really believed that freedom and joy and peace were going to be found when I got the body I wanted instead of believing that Jesus had already saved me, that my body was already good, that he designed me on purpose for a purpose. And that's really what freed me from this this lifelong obsession and, and challenge. There's so much that you just said there, Heather. And, you know, one of the things, and you just brought it there at the end, I had wrote down that, you know, your value and worth you found through other things and other people and not through God. And so that encounter of listening to that from Tim Keller, and I'm also thinking of habit, like it became a habit. You were raised under a professional dieter. And then that became habit of, oh, this is how we deal with comparison or body image. And then it became habit. I often talk to people about how in our brain we have these pathways that we create, kind of like a a bike pathway, a dirt bike pathway. And after time, when you ride that dirt bike pathway over and over, you create grooves. And so you automatically go to that. I think that's the intricate details of the way that God creates us. And so when you heard this sermon, it literally was get your bike out of that groove. Mm. Get your bike out of that groove. That's not truth. Just because you've been doing that doesn't mean it's truth. And I wonder how many listeners right now are are relating your story, relating to, you know, back in the little third grader you who looks in the mirror, makes a decision that their legs are too big. And well, let's look and see what all the other girls' legs look like and then compare yourself to them. And then that starts a snowball of, I got to compare my body to their body. And you're right. There's a lot of people 
that struggle, and I say people because men and women struggle with eating disorders, that struggle with it and and don't fit the criteria of anorexic or bulimic. But nonetheless, it's an eating disorder and a body image issue. And so here you have an encounter. Was that the moment that you felt that God began? Was that your fully restored story? Or was that the moment where the shift began to happen? And how did God change your perspective? So you talked about seeing, hearing this message, but how did you move out of that? Because in all honesty, a lot of times we hear very powerful messages that speak right to our soul of like, oh, that's me, Lord, that is me. You know, we feel that conviction of God, not the shame, not the condemnation, but the conviction of God. But how did you, how did God change your perspective on your body image and comparison issues? Like what did he show you was the root of the issue for you? Yeah. Well, the root was the idolatry. And so I think, you know, I think I could say maybe not that exact moment, but as I dug more into what is this modern day idolatry thing, I felt a heavy conviction. Again, not shame, not condemnation, but a conviction that this had become an idol. And for me, that was eye-opening because it never occurred to me this could be a sin issue. Like never one time. Like, you know, I thought I was doing the good Christian girl thing by trying to steward my body well, by making sure I had the hottest temple, (laughs) right? Like we, we distort those scriptures, I think, very subtly in the church. But we use scriptures like self-control and and scriptures where we talk about body in the temple to mean a certain thing, and they don't. And I mean, that could be a whole episode too. But for me, recognizing that, no, I had taken this good thing and made it into an ultimate thing, which is idolatry, and had looked to it, as you said, for my worth and value. And so for me, I would say the shift happened when I confessed. I felt a freedom, you know, a sin always separates us from God, Right. I felt a freedom. I felt a new connection with God. And like I said, I had been a Christian for pretty much my entire life. But it was almost like, I don't even know if I theologically believe that this is is possible. So, So bear with me as I mumble through and stumble through trying to give words to this. But it was almost like a conversion experience. Like I felt alive and awakened to the word of God. I was able to read the Bible in a way I'd never read it before. I, you know, I'm still constantly surprised at how many times the word idol is in the Bible because I had read through the Bible, but I think I must have just ignored that word every time. And now I feel like when I do my daily Bible reading, it's like the word idol is in every passage. Um, I know that's not true, but that's how it feels because God had just, just did a complete, like, I would say makeover on my heart, just opening my eyes to, to see things, see this issue and see just, you know, this whole struggle in a much different way. Well, and and talking about that as an idol, an idol is something that we put before God, and all of our focus and our attention is on that. All of our energy goes to that, and it dictates, you know, our worth. And we love it, and we lift it up instead of lifting up Jesus. And and I wonder how many women are saying, "Okay, I don't have a body image issue. I haven't struggled with an eating disorder, but man, I can relate." to putting something else before God and recognizing 
Like, you know, I've thought about that often. You know, it's interesting. I didn't realize the show was going to go. We were going to talk as much about this, but I've thought a lot about that of what are the modern day idols? You know, because we look at and we read the word, we read the Bible and we say, well, we're not, you know, in, in Pharaoh's day, we're not, you know, in those days of, and so we don't do that. So here God comes in and, and begins to convict you and say, this is a modern day idol and it's unhealthy and it's wrong and I need it out of your life. Right. And so then you confess and there begins to be a transformation literally in that moment and God begins to open your eyes and your ears to see things, man, right there, that is a whole episode just about that, about how an idol, how other things can cloud our image of God's word. Like it just kind of weighs us down that we don't see things. And then the revelation that begins to hit you. So then at what point did you feel the Lord start talking to you about writing? was probably within a couple years. Yeah. So I had, I, my husband was going into ministry. And so I had the opportunity to speak to a church group that was doing kind of, you know, a little women's one day thing. And because I was a fitness instructor, they wanted me to talk about like being spiritually fit. And so that kind of started my process of, okay, well, what, what does the Bible really say about all this body image stuff <laughs> that like that I've misconstrued for all these years? And so that got me researching. And then shortly thereafter, I started writing and my released my first book. It took a little while to get it traditionally published, but I released my first book probably four or five years later, and then really thought I was just going to write a book and be done. But I had people reaching out saying, I want to work with you. Like, I've never heard this issue presented this way before. Can you help me? Can you help me? And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. And then, you know, I felt the Lord nudging me that, no, Heather, that's what you're supposed to do too. And so I started coaching shortly thereafter, just walking with women through their body image issues and kind of walking them on the same journey that I had been on to see where the idols were. And, um, and then to, to walk in your freeness. So why do you believe that most women struggle with this body image issues in comparison? What do you think that that is about? Well, you know, so we can't, it, it would be easy to blame social media and television and our hypersexualized culture, right? Like it's all of those things are true. And we can look at scripture and see that Rachel was hot and Leah was not, <laughs> right? That oh, word, good. Yeah. that word, but in between, and it's Genesis 31, no, there's the word but in between that, but you know, Leah's eyes were dim, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance, right? So this is not a new issue yeah. for women, right? We have long struggled, just I say as humans, to figure out how to put our value and worth in, in God instead of in our own accomplishments, our own beauty, or you know, or or other things, right? But I do think that for modern day women, right? There's this battle of believing beauty as defined by the word versus beauty as defined by the world. And I did a little, uh, just a little demonstration with a group that I was coaching this week. And I asked them how many messages about what beauty was they thought they had received and just in that day and like an eight hour day. And most of them guessed that they had received 150 to 200 messages 
of like, look like this and you'll be happy. Wear these clothes and people will like you, you know, get this body and all your problems will be solved. And so I did this little, you know, math problem. Okay, well, if you've had 150 of these messages in this eight hour day, over the last 30 years, the number came out to be close to a million of these messages <laughs> that had been received. So to your point about the neural pathways, right? Those, those bike grooves, right? We are receiving just thousands and thousands of these messages every week telling us this is what beauty looks like. This is what will make you happy. This is what will make you free. If you could just lose the weight, all of your problems will be over. And at some level, we, we intellectually know that weight loss doesn't solve all the problems in our lives. And yet, I think there's a little part of us that wants to believe in unicorns. <laughs> That's the way I like to phrase it, right? We kind of want to believe that if there's this magic cure out there, this magic solution that's going to make all the pain and the shame involving our bodies go away and just make life <laughs> beautiful sunshine and rainbows like we see in the advertisements <laughs> for pharmaceuticals. If there's something out there that can do that for us, well, surely we don't want to miss out on it. We better try it. We better find it. And in that, Kristen, is where I think we become idolaters, right? Believing that lie, that there is something out there that can bring us peace, joy, happiness, freedom, rescue, right? Because a lot of us with body magicians, we just want to be rescued from it. Just rescue me from this body. And we believe rescue from the body comes by changing the body. But body image issues aren't about our bodies. They're about what's going on in the inside. Supermodels struggle with body image issues, right? This is, it's not a discriminatory issue. And women of every shape and size struggle. And so I, that was much longer answer than you asked for. <laughs> but, but I do, I, that's, that's all of why I think we struggle. Yeah. And, and those are great. And I, and I was thinking as you were talking, because eating disorders are very difficult in the sense that we actually need food to survive, right? You talked about when you were in high school that you, you know, did this eating game or diet where let's see how long we can go without eating. You know, here is the spiritual aspect of it, but it's not something we've got to find the healthy balance and how we eat and exercise. So we're not saying healthy eating and exercising are of the devil. You know, we're not saying that. We just, we're saying we got to do it with balance. And that's so hard for women who have body image issues to find that balance, right? Uh, well, absolutely. And I mean, the real challenge is, I think we have put so many rules around food yes. <laughs> from our culture that are not biblical. I mean, God's not against food. Yeah. God designed your body to eat. God designed your body to need carbohydrates, fat, and protein. And it's our culture that has told us, manipulate it like this, and then you'll be skinny. Oh, sorry, we don't like that diet anymore. Manipulate it like this, then you'll be skinny. Oh, no, now we know this research. Okay, and carbs are good. Carbs are bad. Protein's good. <laughs> you know? That's good. That's bad. I mean, I remember eating fat free in the 90s. No one would do that now. Right now we got to be carb free, right? It's food schizophrenia. Yeah. You can't keep up with it. And it's not good for our bodies. I think that's really why so many of us are struggling. We're trying to follow the wisdom of culture that is constantly changing and not really wisdom at all. Instead of going back to the reality that food is a good thing. God made us to eat. He's going to throw us a big banquet someday. Yes. And I'm just picturing God's women 
and, and this isn't a flattering picture, but the women that I, I know, <laughs> I can see them going to the banquet like, ooh, I don't know. Does that have carbohydrates? Oh, I can't eat yet. It's not time. I'm intermittent fasting. And again, none of those things are evil. Yeah. But when we make them what our life is about, when we make it where I can't have fellowship with my neighbor because I'm afraid they're not going to serve me something that's on my diet. Or I can't go to the church event because I'm on, I'm on the special plan. And of course, there's health issues aside, right? There's, there's so much grace in the struggle, so much grace, right? We all have our own battles and our own nuances, but all of our bodies are individual, right? And so to think we can do the same plan as someone else and have the same results, it's just not reasonable. And so it's, I think it's time for us to free from all this pressure and trust that God can be our divine dietitian and lead us to the sources that will help us make good choices about food and about exercise that will be good for our bio-individual bodies and help us feel our best. Absolutely. Okay. So Heather, what are, I know we've talked about a lot of stuff, but what are two or three practical tips that you can share with our listeners as they're beginning their journey of healing? Yeah. I think the most important one, step one, is you have to start hearing the lies that are in your head about your your, your size, your shape, your body, or, or even taking it beyond that, whatever it is that you feel shame and condemnation over. I think most of us hear those lies And I've heard those lies for so long that we don't even recognize them as lies. We think because there are thoughts that they're true and that's not the case. So stopping, pausing, hearing the lies. When you look in the mirror, what do you hear? And then taking that thought and being like, okay, is it true? Is it true that I'm not lovable because this is the size I wear? Is it true that no one loves me? Is it true that I'm not worthy of God's love? Whatever phrases come to mind, you need to take those thoughts, listen to them. And it's going to be hard and uncomfortable to do that. But listen to them and then take them captive as the scripture instructs us, take them captive to the truth, right? Speak back to those lies with the truth of scripture. And then, you know, the repenting and confessing was a really big part of my journey. I think anyone who can see, oh, yeah, I've made what I do with my body, what I do with my food, thinking about my body, I have made that into an idol. And so if you hear that and can see that and identify that today, then repenting, confessing is really important there. But then after that, just watching what you consume, right? Like a lot of us are really particular about what we'll eat, right? Like, oh, I can't eat that, can't eat that. But what we consume with our eyes, we may not be as particular about. And I would say that is what's going to be more damaging to your body image than what you eat with your mouth. Those are really great tips. And one of the things as you were talking about taking the thoughts captive, I often tell people I work with, no, the truth is we tell ourselves truth statements. So whenever we are bombarded with these thoughts, we grab that thought, we pull it down and we say, no, the truth is. And there's something about when we start saying, no, the truth is, and then begin to say what the truth is based on the scripture. An example would be like, if you're feeling panic and anxiety, like you're not safe. No, the truth is I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm in my room. The truth is God, I am created in God's image and God formed me. You know, all those scriptures that, that are those truth statements, we start doing that that begins to change our thinking 
but we can't let those fiery darts hit us and just start meditating on them and absorbing them. But as you shared earlier, there can be 150 to 200 fiery darts in a day that are about body image. As you were talking about that, I was thinking there's a couple of people I like to watch on YouTube in the morning that do devotions. And as I'm, you know, doing my hair, putting my makeup on, and without fail, I will see numerous commercials come on about body image. And you got to wait the five or 10 seconds before you can click out of that video to go back to what you're listening to. And that's just one example. That's just one of the hundreds that come at us in every direction. So I'm so grateful for your words of wisdom here that you have for our listeners. Now, let's talk about your books. What books do you have out now? Yeah. So I have a book on body image, my body image story. That first book is called Compared to Who. And then I have a second book called The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, Peace, and Rest. And that book is a little broader than body image. It does talk about body image too, but it also talks about just our struggle with comparing ourselves to others just generally. And really that book's a deep dive into grace, how um, the grace of God, a fuller understanding of grace and all the different ways that grace works in our life, um, how that can actually help us cure comparison. And then I have two books coming out in the next year. So I've got a book on aging coming out next summer, July 11th, and then another book on body image. That'll be a body image workbook coming out next fall. Oh, those are wonderful. So how can people connect with you online and find your books? Yeah. So you can connect with me at comparedtowho.me, comparedtowho.me. I have a podcast called Compared to Who. My books are on Amazon and everywhere books are sold, but you can find all the things about me on Compared to Who. I also have a free five-day body image challenge. If a lot of what maybe someone's heard today, it's like, this is all brand new to me, but I have an email challenge where for five days in a row, you kind of get these related thoughts to kind of start your journey and just kind of get you thinking about things in a different way. Oh, I love that. So in these last few moments, would you pray for our listeners? Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for every woman that's listening today. God, you know, you know her struggle. You know the shame she feels or pain she may feel around her body. God, you know her history. You know her story. You know mean words that were spoken, mean words that were heard. God, I just pray for her that today would be a day where she can feel hope. God, where she can see and believe the truth that she doesn't have to stay stuck in body shame forever. And more so, God, that she will be encouraged by the truth that getting out of body shame doesn't have anything to do with changing her body. No matter how many diets have failed her, you will not fail her. You will never fail her. And you are her pathway to feeling differently about the body that you have given her. God, I just pray right now that today would be the start of this woman's freedom journey. God, I pray for my friend. I pray that she will feel encouraged and hopeful as she walks forward, looking to to you for salvation instead of body transformation. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Heather, for joining us today. Our show notes and all the links shared with us today can be found at my website, fullyrestored.love or kristinklaus.com. 
Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. And I would really appreciate it if you would leave a rating or even a comment as well on whatever platform you're listening to us on, because people look to those ratings and comments when they're looking for a new show to listen to. I want to stay connected with you. You can find me both on Instagram and Facebook at author Kristen Klaus. I pray that today's episode of the Fully Restored podcast ministered to you. And I want to encourage you, if there are things that that really spoke to you, to go to Heather's website and join that, her email, so you can get that five-day body image challenge. And consider purchasing some of her books because God's desire is for all of us to walk in freedom and health and wholeness. And remember, friends, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with our Jesus.